This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Uh, I'm very excited for this week's show. It's a couple days late, but that's because I was working at some other things uh, related to both this podcast and the network so that uh, I had everything in order. Uh, and that is mainly our brand new show, the After Party of One podcast. That's right. Uh, it's That was about two weeks late because I was in a weird headspace. But After Party of One podcast is now available on thatentertains.com slash network. Please, please go check it out. It should be by the end of the week up on all your normal podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and even on Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, Everything is Awesome is now available on Spotify. That's right. You can go to Spotify and subscribe to Everything is Awesome right from there uh, and enjoy some amazing conversations uh, in a whole new way if you're a Spotify fan. Uh, spread the word too. let people know uh, we're trying to get on as many podcasters as we can because we realize that Apple podcast has gone through some changes and not everyone likes those changes anyway uh, before we get to this week's guest I do want to remind people to check out a couple important places some housekeeping let's get that out of the way go to patreon.com slash that entertains and from there you can subscribe to the entire that's entertainment podcast network and that gets you some exclusive some early access and other content from all the podcasts on the That's Entertainment Podcast Network, like Everything is Awesome, After Party of One Pod, Bullies Keep Out, and The Ladies Who Rant, shows that are syndicated like Victims and Villains, and uh, Superhero Movie Cast. Well, Superhero Movie Cast does not uh, do anything with the Patreon. They are a syndicated show purely, and Victims and Villains are, once we get them uploaded, providing an, a, an extra podcast a month for us to post on the website on patreon.com slash that entertains. So go check that out for all the wonderful subscription levels that you can subscribe at to get awesome rewards for being a That's Entertainment Podcast Network subscriber. Make sure you follow Everything is Awesome on Twitter and Facebook at Real Awesome Pod and follow me on Twitter at That Nerdy Kev, which is where I'm the most active and the easiest way to get a hold of me. And oh boy, this week's show, episode 144, Jeff Stormer returns to the show proper to chat about his first crack of professional game design, Mission Accomplished. That's right, agents. For those of you that remember, we played Mission Accomplished on Everything is Awesome episode 100 back in December of 2017. A link to that show is in the notes, as well as to Jeff's Kickstarter for Mission Accomplished. As I record this intro right now, the game has funded and is closing in on its first stretch goal, an extra dossier from James Wallace, designer of the Extraordinary Adventures of Baron Munchausen and the lead designer on the 2017 Paranoia Reboot. 
We chat about all that and much, much more right here on awesomepodcast.com and thatentertains.com slash network. Let's throw it to Jeff and Kev of the past right here, right now, in your ear holes. I don't know uh, the last time you were on, on Everything's Awesome proper. Uh, but I- as far as a proper episode, I think it was, I think it was way back the first, the first time that we did it. I think every other yeah. time I've done everything is awesome. It was, I've been a live show. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this and, uh, uh I didn't mean to like jump into the show this soon. I, I was, oh, no, that's more, fine. But, I figured we would but, just, I figured we'd talk, chat for a bit and then do the, like the show intro stuff proper, especially cause I was like pounding on my table just now. Oh no, 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 no. I, the show, I don't do a show intro in, at all anymore. Like eventually oh. this just turns into the show. Uh, so I, I always hit record and then, um, and then eventually I'll, it cuts into the show. It's, it's gotcha. kind of it's almost like every other interview show now. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and it was something that I tweaked. That I, I don't know if that was a year. I think that was a year two tweak. I think I did that this okay. past January. Uh, every, every like end of January when I'm about to hit my anniversary at February 1st, I do like a tweak to the show just to keep it interesting for me and, and hopefully the audience. That makes sense. I, I, I do something similar with party of one, but it's not so much a tweak as it is kind of like a refocusing uh-huh. like every year. Like when we hit, actually we're coming up on it in three weeks. Now that I think about it, I got to get that anniversary thing recorded. I got to get on that, but I try to do like a different thing. Yeah. So like year one was just like figuring out what the show was. And then when, when I hit that first year, I was like, all right, now that we know what the show is, now that I know what we do well and what we don't do well, I'm going to refine that process as much as I can. Then year three was, all right, now I know how to like, now I know that, the, that we can play these games. Now I want to see like how far out there within the concept of these games we can get. And now we're heading into year, this will be year four. So we're going to have to figure out what the new focus is in year four. So, so now, cause I always confuse myself even when I, when I figure, when I talk anniversary dates, is this your fourth anniversary or your third anniversary going into year four? Third anniversary going into year four. We started October 26th, 2015. So this will be, okay. this will be three years and then we're heading into that fourth year. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's, it's nuts because I want to say that date sounds so familiar to me. Uh, and not because of your show. I want to say that was about the time I started recording. Everything is awesome, but I didn't, I banked a whole lot of shows and didn't start releasing until February 1st, 2016. Oh yeah. I banked Uh, no shows when I launched party of one. I think I had, I had two, maybe I think I may have banked two. I think I had one mm -hmm. in the bank, which is why the episode releases go like, October 26th, immediately a week after that, three weeks until episode three, and then January. <laughs> well, I had the benefit of, like, at that point, I think it was, like, eight years of podcasting. Sure, sure, sure. So, like, I knew what I was good at and what I was bad at. And, and I mean, fast forward to almost three years later now, and I, I, I'm still figuring out that I'm actually really bad at a lot of things and uh, <laughs> only good at a few, but yeah, in the, you've actually been on almost every type of show that I've done with everything is awesome. You're, you're missing one uh, that I'll All have right. to get you in on. Uh, so we do. We'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. Yeah. We do this show here where it's pre-recorded and, and yeah. 
we sit down and just do a one hour conversation. Uh, you've done, you've actually, this is technically the third time you've done that, but we've only aired it once before this because we lost, God, I think you might've been the audio that we lost like an hour and a half, two hours of. That's right. I forgot that we did a whole thing. Yes. I forgot that we did a whole episode that just vanished into the ether. Yes. Yes. There's, there's uh, maybe it's episode 10. One of my episodes that I did, I, I did air. There was four. I no. do remember that now. I do it, remember that. It was you, Jason Ashley from Too Cool for Tabletop. Mm-hmm. And then um, Joe Kaliva, I believe were the three. You, you were the three that at least came back and recorded a second time. I think there was four interviews that I lost, uh, but you, you three came back and did it again. Uh, and it, that was like the moment that I like for the first time, you know, like forever, I was like, I can't believe I fucked up this much. Like I'm going to tuck my tail between my legs and say, guys, please come back on my show. Oh, that's and, I, I totally forgot that we had recorded an entire interview that just vanished. Yeah. Yeah. I think about 20 minutes of it exists. Um, uh, on a, maybe episode 10. Uh, I think I, I, I think I, so. I, I remember you posting some of it somewhere. Yeah. And then, and then we redid it. Uh, I, I want to say, uh, episode, I think your episodes are, uh, 18, 16 and, maybe I was gonna say 18, 19, maybe, maybe but yeah, 16 it's, might be. It's, it's before episode 20, episode 20 was, uh, was Aaron McGathy. I know that. And you're before you're, you were before her. So you were in that, that first, like, uh, six months of shows, yep. uh, and, and ended up being in like the back half of that six months because of, of having to re-record. Um, but, and then, so you've done that, uh, you did a, a normal live show of mine, mm-hmm. which was at, uh, 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 bridge set sounds, yep, we did the bridge uh, set sound show. which was, uh, I, that was a fun show despite the audience just consisting of your wife. That what that here's the thing that was a really like I I I really genuinely enjoyed that show. I I I don't I I had like a follow up but I I will always remember specifically finishing playing noisy person cards. Yes, yes. Getting up, walking to the back, standing there for 5 minutes and going, I'm just going to go sit. Jen's out like my wife is out there. I'm just going to go sit. And then listening to listening to Nick play Earth, specifically Earth, yeah. we're all in this together, and just it was the most beautiful. Like, they was the most. It was the first time I had heard that song, and I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that song since then. Uh, and, and that one that that show was like weird for me because it was. Uh, let's see. I think that was uh, eleven days after I lost my uncle uh, to, to cancer, and that's why there was no one there. I did mm-hmm. zero promotion for the show because I was busy like grieving my uncle and whatnot which sure. is you know i i i i think we steve said uh that there was a bunch of people watching online so so we had the online audience on the yeah, they, i know i know bridge that always gets like a very good turn again and i i've done i've done one i've done a live show with them since then and yeah we had the same experience where nobody showed up for the actual recording like for the party of one recording we did no one showed up but they were like yeah we had a couple we had like 150 people watching yeah. online and i'm like that's more than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the most recent was episode 100, where yep. uh, we did the mission accomplished actual play. Uh, and 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 not that I, I don't think I I don't think I, that might be that's probably the only actual play we've done for everything is awesome. But I, it's something that like I kind of I have in my back pocket that I want to start doing on a mm-hmm. 
as hey, this is the type of show that we can do live. The only the only one that you've missed is uh, we when we do panels at like Comic Con and stuff. Mm, uh, we, we we can make that happen. Yeah. Oh, so, for sure. I mean, I got. I have at least I know two cons that I'll be accepted at next year. I mean, I just assume because they accepted me last year, so we can make that happen next year for yeah. sure. You know, uh, I love I I legitimately love doing panels. It's a thing that I set out to start doing in 2018, and I've gotten lucky enough to do a few of them, and I I love it to death. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's it's nuts how like uh dis- despite so so party of one was your first foray foray into podcasting, correct? Yes, that is that yeah. was my my first podcast, first so, attempt at it. So it's nuts how like me doing everything is awesome. It's almost like kind of reset to my whole podcasting uh, career because I really much as much as as much as I do tout the fact that I've been in it for so long. I kind of basically call myself the class of the the 2016 podcast festival, which Mm -hmm. is like me, you, uh, Full Belly Laughs, uh, Quest for Magic. Full Belly Laughs really start in 2016. Uh, They they may have started in 20 late 2015. That's uh, wild. that's that's what Brian Durkin is is that's a he's a that that man is a professional because I thought yeah. that show had been around for like eight years. No, no, he he's uh, he started he started before I think he started before me. I think he started. Um, I think he's yeah. I I either way either way like the, the professionalism that he has is remarkable. I that call I I had assumed he'd been doing it for years. Yeah. No, his first festival though was the the 2016 festival. Um, and same with the quest for magic and steel and, um, and you and me, and there's a couple good, of doom, doom good company. Yeah. Good company to be in. I, I, and I, maybe it's just because like, I, I'm obviously like very close with a lot of those podcasts from that, that sure. time frame. Uh, but I feel like those, those podcasts are, are the only ones that really kind of stick it in since that year that have been with the festival every year since then. Uh, there's a couple, there's other ones like overdue is like a pop, super popular mm-hmm. Philly based podcast, uh, that, that does it still. And, and obviously they've expanded so much more, uh, since, since 2016. Um, it's, it, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the festival. It, for me, I love it, but it's also one of the most frustrating experiences, uh, to deal with ever since the, the, they brought in, uh, like the big name talent, uh, uh, like uh, we got this and the Harry Potter one and, and flop house and like all those are Saul. Saul bones. Yeah. Ever since they started bringing in like the paid acts, it was kind it's kind of been a little bittersweet for me at least because it's like, well, it's great that they're, we're this popular now that we're able to do this as like a festival. And, and, as, and I, when I say we, I mean the Royal we of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, it kind of sucks because like the way it is, is like we're competing uh with with one another uh and not so much like local like me and you like we're not competing like people are they're oh, gonna I'm in, go I'm in specific competition with you like i said out every year i'm like i'm gonna crush him this is gonna be the year that he's just ash under my boot <laughs> well aside from that typically for the local guys it's not it's not real competition <laughs> right because like if if you're going to amalgam like they're going there to see that style of show yeah right i i, I and i say i will say i i've always deeply admired the way that the the festival sets that up like lumping those shows together has yes. always just been like i've always looked at those schedules and been like i could sit here for a day like i could sit here for a day of this and then yeah. it's always i've always been very impressed with how they like line up those shows just right i i think they need to find and this is just me personally and this is maybe because I, I i again i think 
the maybe the shows in amalgam don't have to do it because the amalgam weekend is usually really like it's it's just either one day or two days instead of, of all four days uh but at tattooed moms there's there's a the the overall feeling with me and a couple of the other shows is like we really like that like from two o'clock on you have to compete with like the real funny people of Sawbones and we got this mm-hmm. and because they're, they're going on sometimes the same time as, as the 2 PM or the 5 PM or 7 PM shows at tattooed moms. And like, I, I assume people are going to pick the names people over the who's Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> and what, what's awesome. I'm not going to go see that show. I'll go see uh, uh, Mark and Hal from, we got this, uh, so I think they just need to work that out. In my opinion, I, I think. They, I could, yeah, I, I, I've, I definitely noticed that last year. Cause when we went to see, I went to your live show, not this festival mm. last year's festival when, when Noah was promoting game, the yes, gamer. Yes. And I remember thinking like, this is directly against Salvo. Like you're up against the McElroy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's so, and, and there's, you're not going to get the, the, the same crowd that you might've gotten from, from that, you know, had that shit not been on. And you did see the difference like in in the last two years, because uh, the there's more offerings, there are less people coming to tattooed moms for podcasting during the festival, but but like barely noticeable, barely noticeable. Sure. I just noticed it because I'm an insane person. It happens. You know what I would love to see from the festival next year? The one thing I'd really love to see from the festival, and I think we could do it. I think it could happen. I I just want. I don't know what the venue is. I mm. I kind of gave a venue a shot this year, and it didn't really work out. Mm. Not no, not naming any names or anything. Yeah, I don't want to cause drama, but I want to find a good venue because at least because I want a venue that will give us one day. Of just all tabletop podcasts. Oh, okay. And there's okay. enough. There's enough of. There's enough of them in Philly that you could that you could set it up. And I I I argue that it would need a little bit of a different like timing structure than the way mm. they set up Amalgam or Tattooed Moms, where it's that tight forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you gave the shows like an hour and a half, took a like a full like a day. So like we'll say, what's let's see three six. You could take a nine-hour block, right? Mm-hmm. That's six shows, and I could name at least like I. Well, let's see. Off the top of my head, there's Party of One, Heart Points, mm-hmm. Pot of Love, mm-hmm. Magic and Steel. Yep, that's four hours. That's a six-hour block. You take that's basically like a show block of a day. You pick. You give us like a venue that'll give us an hour and a half each, and I think that's a spectacular day of podcasts. Yes. And, and uh, without giving too much away for my January festival, uh, I'm looking to expand it big time this year. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and um, I am looking at it, it depends on the turnout as far as like the podcasts and comedians and, and films that apply because I'm, I'm marketing it more as a comedy festival, but sure. with the heavy fluence of podcasts. Um, and that's I'm, I'm doing that kind of thing. I, I'm and it's this could be I mean a total failure <laughs> at the end of the day and I'll find out in January but 
um, I'm, I'm doing something similar to that where I'm trying to book venues based off of like the type of show. Cause that's yeah. something I learned with amalgam is, uh, the first show I did live at amalgam, I, I thought I was marketing it kind of right with, all right, well, I, I still, my show is a talk show. So we'll do, you know, all right, it's the, it's the wizard world unofficial wizard world after party. Boom. Sure. Okay. So that, and that was in 20, uh, 2017, I believe March of 20, uh, no, not March, I guess June of 2017. Um, and, uh, and then I was like, all right. And I'll book like, uh, I got Ophidian. I was like, I'll book him. Uh, because oh, like all, uh, nothing but love for Ophidian, the coat, my, my favorite wrestler in the world who I am lucky enough to be, be friends with like nothing but love for Ophidian. Yes. I, I, uh, that, that I don't I don't know how I got that like like I think I just like cold called him basically through Twitter <laughs> I was like hey man uh like can I DM you about being on the show and then um or maybe I had his email maybe I found his email somewhere but uh yeah I mean he was super sweet and he 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 got there and and was super like willing to do whatever uh and I thought I was like all right like a wrestler is it's like almost comics plus a shikar so like boom it will kind of all work out and doing a talk show at amalgam is not the way you can do things there. Like I, I, cause I found that out the flip of that was having you and a quest for magic and steel do a show at tattooed moms back in January Mm -hmm. of 2017 and realizing that that doesn't really work for that venue. So like, no, it's not, I've always wanted to run a Like I've always wanted, that has always been on my list of things, but I also know that it's like not the right, venue for it maybe if you did something like you were talking about where you just do a a day or a night of role-playing and it's very heavily role-playing themes so that like that crowd is coming to just watch role-playing or to to participate in role-playing or whatever you might be able to make that work but to do something i think where you're like okay we're gonna have a mix of all these different podcasts uh i I don't I, i don't think you can blend those two genres of of basically actual play role-playing game uh podcasts and almost everything else like i don't know what genre you call tattooed mom except for like it's it's just a bunch of it's it's typically just a bunch of guys sitting around talking and doing quote-unquote comedy Mm -hmm. um and sometimes you get some other things in there too but uh it's there's not i don't think there's like a real specific genre tattooed mom i think it's generally i think tattooed moms generally gets the general interest shows like yes, it generally yes. gets the because it's like general interest shows go to tattooed moms more of the the geeky niche shows mm-hmm. all go to amalgam and then the other venues that they get kind of get the harder to classify yes stuff which is why all my fantasy children was at uh kt ktg was at ktg yes because it's like kind of tabletop but it's also a lot weirder than that but then Mm. also we were we were well we were going to be we had to cancel at the last minute we were going to be at amalgam this year so Mm. i I, like it was that's that's kind of how it's always i've seen it shake out i think i think that show would could work at amalgam uh i think it it would have if we had done it at amalgam i think it would have i think it would have gone over gone over well i i my only concern is that there's almost always is that amalgam is a family is like like a family friendly Uh, venue and aaron and i when we get rolling things start popping off we start we start having to I, it would be tough to censor ourselves to the extent yeah. that an episode of All My Fantasy Children would require. 
at every time I've done a show at Amalgam, uh, it just so happened that I had uh, my buddy Garrett there as as a co-host or as a, as a, a panelist for the uh, episode 100 for Mission Accomplished. And every time, like he's the one that I specifically like. I tell everybody, I'm like, hey, by the way, family friendly, no cursing. But like separately, I, I send him a text. I'm like, hey, just to let you know, like no cursing at this venue and both times definitely has dropped the f-bomb uh numerous times <laughs> and i'm like oh my god how how does ariel allow me to come here like to the point where like even at like every time i've talked to her after those shows she's still very friendly very welcoming about having me do stuff there she was uh, on my panel at wizard world uh, like so um, she, she's super, like, just super cool with the mm-hmm. podcasting community and the creative community in general. Yeah, the, the amount of events that they run at Amalgam, it's like yes. one of the coolest spots in the city. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a shame that um, uh, that it's so far from South Street uh, when it comes to the Philadelphia Podcast Festival. Um, I, I That is, to me, one of my, my complaints is, uh, and this is me doing a lot of research for comedy festivals and stuff because i uh another friend another guy that i know that lives in bucks county along with me he wants to do uh, like something up here for for comedy and and he's asked me to help him do it since i kind of have some experience in in throwing together events and um so everything i've noticed about comedy festivals is they're they're all within walking like every venue is within walking distance of one another um in in almost every city that i've i found one so uh and that's always been like even before i knew that like that was like kind of not a complaint but like a a question mark that i had about those two venues um but the problem i think is that like south street is hard to find a venue like as nice and as as large as amalgam yeah for sure i i i think that like it, it it's it's tough because it is far from all of the other kind of stuff but it is like it's such a cool venue that I'm kind of like, yes. I would, I would not want to, I I would not want to not have it be a part of it only because yes. like the energy there, like, especially when like it's on mm-hmm. the energy at Amalgam, I think is unmatched by any of the other like venues that I've been at. Like when, I, like when the crowd, like for episode, like for everything is awesome. 100, like the crowd was hot. Yes. They were a hot crowd. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would say that save for uh, even uh, so I've done two panels now. I, I did one at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con uh, in Oaks, PA, and then I did uh, Wizard World. Um, and they were vastly different audi- audiences, like maybe like uh, the Greater Oaks one was probably the size of what you would expect to see at like a typical Everything is Awesome live show, 15 to 30 people, maybe. Uh, which is like I'd say like good and average for for everything is awesome. Uh, Wizard World was probably about seventy five people in the room, um, but both those rooms were were very uh, engaging and very hot. And and I I loved doing the only thing that's matched that or come close to matching it was ep- episode one hundred with everything is awesome. Save for maybe like my first live show with everything is awesome because that that was such like a uh, an important moment for me in the show and and it was just like a huge rush, but yeah doing a mission accomplished uh at at episode 100 uh in adam Malcolm was amazing and and i think a lot of that has to do with me 
r- recognizing how to book a show like that and getting mm-hmm. people that are act- like, like I'm not a comedian. I'm not funny. I'm not a comedian. I I, I am uh, I, I barely pass as a podcast host. It's and, important that we be. It's important that we be aware of our weaknesses. I commend you for that. Yes. So that, I that was the biggest thing that I've ever said on microphone, and I feel i I was like I was like this is gonna be funny, and then I immediately I can't be mean. Because I immediately was just like, I'm going to like crawl back into a hole and apologize. And I'm just like, I should just, I should just be able to just like razz you. I can't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm a, I am too much of a baby face. I am, I am the baby facest of baby faces. I'm the baby face of role playing games. It's funny because I am, uh, when I need to play a character, I am a, I, I'm an exceptionally better heel than I am baby face. Uh, I, I, uh, Whenever I had to to play face in in wrestling, even when we were just in the backyard, so we literally were just entertaining ourselves, and maybe like like so the very first like big show we ever did in the backyard, we invited a whole bunch of like we built a wrestling ring, we had a whole bunch of friends and family come to it, and and we put on a show for them. Uh, so so we did have live crowds before we went pro, but uh, typically we're performing for ourselves. But as a baby face, it always it's it's. That is so hard to uh, carry uh, a persona and and a match as I think, um, or, and I think you have to have a, a talent. You have to like more talent than a heel. I think to be able to pull off babyface, a heel is super easy. You just have to say mean things to people, and then people instantly hate you. Mm-hmm. I I wish I had the skill to not immediate. I could. I think I could do it in a wrestling ring. I think if I was, I think I could, like, I could be a heel, like, cause I love playing heel in a wrestling context. Yes. It's just when I'm like talking to friends or tweeting and stuff, <laughs> I can't just like, I know friends who like, I could take a pot shot. Like there's, I don't, I, I can't just be that friend that like takes like a, a pot shot at you yeah. and you get it and you're like, that's Jeff. I'm, <laughs> as, as soon as I start writing it, I'm like, oh, they're going to, they're going to hate me. I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. I can't be that friend. Yeah, I, I'm uh, in real life. I'm probably I, I think I would say I, I probably swing closer to, to you like that. But I definitely think most of my my friends that have known me for years would say I'm a complete dick. So I, I don't I think it depends on like who I'm who I'm with. Like, you know, the guys that I've known since God, I mean, we're old now. So like since I've known for like 20 to 30 years at this point, like I can take those shots at them and, and we're all good and happy about it. But someone that I've maybe only known for a year, I'm a little easier on. Yeah, I, I get, yeah, that's how I, like, I think, I think, yeah, I think there are friends that I can absolutely just take, like take down a peg, but I think I have to be like my closest friends and they have to take the first shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I do want to like focus a lot of attention on uh, mission accomplished. Mission uh, accomplished. Your your uh, your role playing game that you designed. Uh, we and I'm sure we've talked about it uh, in in brief detail uh, at episode 100. But uh, yeah, so you're by the time this episode airs, if the math is right. Uh, your Kickstarter went live either either today or yesterday, depending you know depending on when this this episode drops exactly. So uh, first of all, like let's get into the let's game. Let's get into it. Let's get into the game. Uh, 
what is mission accomplished? Let's let's get that out of the way. Mission accomplished. Uh, there's a salute in the title, and I haven't figured out how to put that into like text yet. Mission accomplished <laughs> is the role playing game of super spies and office meetings. It is a game for four to eight players, uh, which is ironic because I've been doing a podcast about two player games for three years now. Yes, <laughs> but um, it is a game for four to eight players. Uh, players are a team of super spies who have just come back from saving the world. You've done it. You've killed the bad guys. Congratulations. Mission accomplished. However, some things went wrong. Some things went sideways. And now you have to sit down with eight with with your manager and have a team meeting where you figure out who gets the blame for what went right and who gets the, the who gets the the who gets the blame for what went right and the credit for what went wrong. Basically, it, and you have to have basically an uncomfortable office meeting where you kind of hash out the details, people, and you use your, you use, you use the really important spy skills like, you know, anonymous written reports on your fellow, on your coworkers and throwing people under buses and bickering and yelling at each other. Because by the end of the night, somebody is going to get burned and somebody is going to get that sweet, sweet uh, promotion you know, the one with the floor to ceiling windows and the company credit card that they say is for emergencies. But like, come on, let's be real. We all know what an emergency is. I, what I love about Mission Accomplished, uh, I did the salute, is uh, that it is a game like a lot of role playing games promote, uh, you know, working together as a team and and. Uh, lifting each other up, helping one another. I mean, th- there's some that are absolutely pitting each uh, players against each other, but those ones, at least in the actual play world, I should say, because that's my that's where like I know my tabletop is from actual play podcasts. Most of that stuff that I I listen to tends to be very team focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, that's I, a lot of role playing games. I think I think most I would say most role playing games because it's grow it's a, as a hobby growing out of Dungeons and Dragons have mm-hmm. that like team focused atmosphere that i think this game kind of undercuts and we follow in the tradition of some stuff like paranoia and fiasco which say like you don't have to be friends yeah and and i i do love like the 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 way that it forces the players to undercut one another really like and even if like you because you can form alliances like that's Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're very much so, uh, and well, I'll have the link in the show notes, of course, for episode 100. But you can you can listen to how some of the players uh, that were playing that that game were were trying to help one one another out. Uh, Garrett and I, were, were, who who I, somehow we ended up being brothers, uh, mm-hmm. we, we were we were basically like. I think I was trying to salvage the relationship, but he was trying to throw me under the bus. Like mm-hmm. I, that's where I think I was trying to play good guy. Like I was just trying to play baby face. I'm on everyone's team. Uh, and, but it really is like, if depending, if you really want to win, you have to throw people under the bus. It's, it's, and it's, and what I really love about it is it, it from the first moment of the game, like the initial disclaimer, like it is all the entire like structure of the game is, is building a space in which I am feeling comfortable throwing you under a bus because I know that if even if you don't throw me under a bus later, somebody else in this room is going to ha- is going to throw me dead center in front of a bus by the end of the game. Yeah. And so it creates that it, there's this atmosphere of like of like I uh there's this atmosphere of like shared collaborative competition. Yes. that I think is is probably probably one of my favorite things about the game. 
and it, it is it, it's a great exercise for someone like me who is not like I'm not a great role player I don't think like I it's it's or I should say I'm not a great improviser um and this is actually a really great uh improv game like it's you have you it basically that's and I guess you could the, the you could say all role playing is a big improv game but this specifically is you know collectively coming up with a props and mm-hmm. and then having a a uh, I guess we did a, a six, almost a 60 minute to 90 minute scene of, of that prompt. Um, and I think that's like a great, like uh, exercise for, for role players, improvisers. And um, it's, it's just, the, it's, I don't know if you could ever have a quote unquote serious game of this. Um, no, it's well, no, cause it's very actually um, it's very specifically, built for comedy it is a comedy role-playing game like from the ground up it is designed to be funny you could theoretically play it serious maybe but like the mechanics of it are all geared towards this is funny this is a Mm -hmm. funny thing like our gear like it is specifically built within the mindset of these are things that that make people laugh as a reaction Yes. And yes. so, like, it's – I've put a lot of thought into, like, funny games and what make – how to make game mechanics funny mm-hmm. because what's funnier than deep, deep scientific analysis? I, I, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's great uh, comedy. So, now, what made you – because it is actually – and I, it, it didn't really click despite – me being a, a weekly listener of your show, it didn't click to me that like, hey, how come Jeff didn't do a two-player game? Like, what made you design something that's kind of, I don't want to say out of your wheelhouse, because I know you play games that are that are more than just one, uh, a party of one, uh, or a party of two, but you creatively, at least on a weekly basis, show the world what, what you can do with two players. It's my bread uh, and butter, and it, it's my bread and butter, and it's real frustrating that it's not a game. Like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably, I'm gonna put together a game and drop it on the feed for launch day. But it's, it, I recognize the, the frustration of like it would be a lot easier to highlight my game on my podcast if I could play it with two players, and I can't. Yeah, yeah. But what what made you like decide to design a game that wasn't two players? Since that's kind of your wheelhouse. Um, it was an accident. <laughs> The game was actually written to play with two players. Originally, oh, okay. I sat down and tried to write a GM, like a game that could, that while it had a GM, could have been run with one agent. Because I actually was writing this for a Party of One live show. Okay. My goal was to have this played at a Party of One live show. And then have like audience contributions, like written on note cards. And that would be kind of the thing that would propel the game forward. It wasn't until the first playtest of it that, like, it wasn't until the first playtest of it that I really sat down and, like, listened to people play it and kind of had a revelatory moment that made me kind of go, oh, I think this game's not actually play. I think this game required, like, because originally the design of it was the end game, which is currently like ranked, like you all roll yes. dice. There's a winner and a loser, which not, which is not a role playing game thing necessarily. 
But uh, you roll it, everyone ends up in a position, and you kind of go from there. So, mm-hmm. like, last place to first place. Yes. And I com- I'm comfortable spoiling this because you hear people will have heard it in a bunch of podcasts, including Party of, uh, including Party of One. Everything is Awesome 100. First place is a joke answer. First pl- second place gets the promotion. First place gets a horrible worse than death, <laughs> like the secret worst <laughs> outcome of them all. Yes, yes, yes. It is the punchline to the entire comedy skit, which is which going back to this whole game is about comedy, is yeah, that yeah. it is everything is building to that punchline. It is building to you are you think you know you you think that the story has come to an end and then I hit you over the head, like I hit you in the face with a pie and the whole thing takes a left turn. Mm-hmm, comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But um so the idea was so the idea was originally, it's that was going to be a de- a roll on a table. You were going to collect your dice, roll on a table, take the highest result, consult this D6 table, and then that was going to be how you figured out what happened. So the idea was that it was entirely possible that no one got that funny result. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was like, it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of great if like you could play through the game and there's a result that's actually good that maybe no one gets. And then I sat there for a while and went, well, that's not funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what? imagine an SNL skit where, like, <laughs> they just don't include the final punchline. Yes, yeah. They just, like, are like, yep, there's our premise. All right, bye, everybody. Morrissey's up next. It's not, that's not good comedy. Right, right, So I was right. like, well, then you need this punchline has to be in every game. But for the punchline to be in every game means that like the ranking system, which was already kind of there when you were when I was working off of it off a D6 table, meant that that ranking system had to go meant that there had to be a minimum of three agents. Because you had to have an agent not win. You had to have an agent lose. So, you know, get fired or burned or sent off to Siberia. That had to happen. That's the setup to the punchline. Mm-hmm. The expectation is that is is then you have a person who gets second place. That person has to get the that person gets the promotion. Then first place gets the joke option. So yes. I was like, the game doesn't, and that's that was the moment of realization of like, mm-hmm. oh god, this game literally does not work without three people plus mission control. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was the moment that it all clicked for me, and I was like, nope. Well, I I made this game will never work with two players. So now, when did you start designing this? Because I, I I've known about it for at least, I mean obviously since at least episode one hundred and I think we play tested it at PAX Unplugged last year. We did year. play test it. You you play you've played it twice now. Yeah, yeah. Because we play I I yeah you've played it twice. Because we played it at PAX Unplugged. Then we played it. That's when you that's when you forgot your first taste of it. Then you asked me to play it on on yeah, uh, episode yeah. one hundred. So uh, let's see my first time posting a I think it first dropped I want to say about a year and a half I want to say okay. the first version of it I want to say the first version of it that dropped was a year and a half ago was in so, May, like May of 2017 would have been I think the earliest version 
June 1st, 2017 is when I first posted the original version of it. I just Twitter searched it. Okay, okay. So I've been working on it about since then. And, well, it worked, you started a little before then, obviously, and then you first made it public around June 1st. I pretty much so, wrote so, it about three days before I made it public. Oh, interesting. So, okay, so so June 1st, you still kind of had uh, – did you have the expectation that it was a two-player game I did. June 1st? I really figured okay. that it was going to be playable with two players as of June 1st, 2017. Oh, wow. So, so there's kind of a quick turnaround time between – uh, that and then realizing, oh God, <laughs> this is not my wheelhouse. I yep. need to add Once more Once I realized, players. I was like, yeah, because it, it was the first playtest of it where I was like, people played it through. They got to the ending. They rolled the dice. No one got the funny result. And I was like, well, that was kind of disappointing. I kind of hoped <laughs> that somebody would get like the funny result. And then yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, then that means somebody has to get the funny result. And that means, yep, that means three people have to have, that means at least three people have to play the game. So now, uh, how many, like, and I don't know if you kept a count of like version and version iterations and whatnot, how, like, how many changes, like how, how much did this thing evolve from obviously going from two player to, to what's the recommended player now? Like, is it a minimum of a minimum, minimum three players and mission control? We have played, I have played it with eight agents and it has gone fine. Okay. So it, it's a it is a large group game. Okay. So so it, obviously a big change to go from uh, two player to to up to eight plus mission control, so nine. Uh, but how like how else did this this thing evolve? Originally, there was um, one kind of dice. Originally, it was just a straight. You just collected commendations. Then I added like a bad kind of dice. To comp to make it a little more complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was like the first major change. Originally, the cards that you wrote on were originally what happened was like I gave you a mission and told you what went wrong. Everybody writes down three things that happen. Doesn't matter if it relates to an agent, just a thing that happens on the mission. That very quickly changed to you are ratting out two people on your team. Mm-hmm. that was kind of that by that that was that was when that's the form, and since then that's been kind of the that was kind of when the form of the game kind of fell into place i probably around version 2.0 3.0 okay like that was probably when like the core of the game worked and since then it has been a world of little changes of like this wording is not as funny as it would be if it was structured this way Probably the biggest changes have been to the way the game starts. That first part of the game has changed dramatically, like eight different ways. Now, so explain that sure. if, you, if, if that doesn't spoil anything. No, 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 not at all. The game starts by explaining what the mission was that you accomplished. That's how the game started. Starts like the game begins. Mm-hmm. The game begins. The part that's normally played in a role playing game is in the past which I think is fun. That's part of the game's yes. charm. It's entirely about what happens after the thing that we just played, that we theoretically played through. But it starts with mission control explaining to you what happened on that mission. Originally, mission control told you three things. What the mission objective was, what 
the what the villain what villains which is the vast international league of larcenists arsonists and inventors of nefarious science what villains was planning <laughs> what the objective was what you have been dispatched to do what you ended up doing instead they gave you those three pieces of information and then said add details Mm-hmm. That didn't work. Like I played it in play tests and the feedback I ended up getting was like, I don't really feel invested in this mission. And by the time I'm supposed to start contributing to it. So we threw that out. Then I took a cue from Dungeon World, which is what we did on Everything is Awesome 100, where I was like, OK, we're all going to collaborate and build the entire mission together. I'm going to go person okay. by person, talk our way through each piece of the mission, be like, what was our mission? What was our objective? What went wrong? You know, what was our escape like? Where was the mission set? It worked okay. It worked better. But it didn't work. It was asking the players to make too much. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was asking... It wasn't grounding the players in a premise before I asked them to start... To start... It kind of went too far in the other direction. And and that I can imagine, you know, just I, and I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, I, I was reviewing um, James D'Amato's book that, that he put out. And so writing my review of that, I was thinking about this a lot. Like that is can almost be intimidating mm-hmm. to someone who's uh, either new to role playing or not comfortable with maybe being a creative person or, or, or they're just very not like they, they feel out of their element, but playing a role playing game or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, we ended up veering back away from that to where we are now, and this has been working super, super well. We finally figured out what fits, and that is a written a written mission dossier. About three pages, about 500 words is what we're telling our stretch goal people. That is a list of names, like non-player characters, important places, props that are fun, Office protocols, which kind of help you get into the spirit of games. Like the example that I have is one of the missions is you go to the moon and blow up a space laser. So naturally, uh, Mission Control insists that you make sure your passport is up to date because you're <laughs> technically leaving the country. <laughs> and then we we give this to players. It's only about 500 words. Most of it's lists. So it's very easy for you to flip through on the fly. And mm. I say... Tell me something on here that went wrong. Tell me uh, something on here that screwed up monumentally that we have to kind of like get to the bottom of in this meeting. Everybody goes around the table. They look through the list and they go, oh, yeah, that guy died. That guy's dead. Like we accidentally killed this person. Oh, you know what? We definitely didn't have our passport. Somebody somebody forgot to file our passports. Some, we threw up, somebody threw up on our spacesuits and like people pick things. I write them or mission control writes them down. I really wrote this game for me to play. And so it, it, I trip up sometimes and still talk about it. Like it's only me that is being mission control ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, have you, have you played as a player? I have not, I have not gotten to play oh, as wow. a player. Wow. That's that. that... Now, in in your promotion, because I know you're going on a big promotion run for your Kickstarter uh, that that you're doing for this, uh, are you getting an opportunity to play it, or I, are I, you still just running? I'm it? running it throughout the promotional tour. I'd like to play it at some point. 
Especially because by the time I'm done with this tour, I don't think I'm going to want to run it for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I write down, Mission Control writes down what went wrong, writes them on index cards, takes them back, and then those come up in the meeting as, all right, now we're going to talk about this. That's been, that's the version that works. Because that tells the players... Okay, this is what we're doing. I am grounded in a premise. I have information to pull off of. I don't have to create anything, but what I get to do is mess with something that mess with something that the GM has put in front of me. That's fun. Yes. It's funny. I get to be kind of silly with it. Comedy. Yes, yes. I, and I can I, I see I I I like both uh, that and what we did on episode 100, which was was a, a you know a lot more work for the players, but we we luckily had like a improv. Yeah, we I, had I, like I purposely trained, got, we had trained improvisers, which made it a lot easier. Yeah, I purposely stacked that show so that it would be funny, uh, and hopefully bring a crowd out, which it did. Um, so so I do like both versions, uh, especially since like I tend to lean towards the needing a little bit of guidance and I can tweak something versus let me come up with something off the mm-hmm. fly. Uh, at least at this point in my, both my quote unquote improv career and, and role playing uh, life. Uh, so yeah, that's, that is a, uh, I think a very good change. Like you said, like that. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, so you are, so, 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 it took you basically a year and a half to get to this, to the point of being what you would call finalized yeah. Kickstarter ready, ready yeah. to go out to the public. Yeah. Uh, yes. so, took me about a year and a half. So, uh, so, so what's, so what, what steps are, are you currently in? Like what, as you're, I mean, I guess technically when people are listening to this, it's out on Kickstarter, but current day, Jeff, what what's uh what's the build up now like are you are you doing any is there any kind of prep besides the promotional tour or uh are you still is it is it kind of stress free right now uh it's there's a lot of stress right now but um <laughs> so where we're at right now is that the game text is written ish uh, there's a few things i'm still i'm writing some mission dossiers because i want to add about a half a dozen of those into the book we have two of them written so far. So I have four more dossiers, but those are also fun to write because I get to just take a spy movie premise and just add mm-hmm. a bunch of ridiculous kind of silly details. Those are fun. Yes, yes, yes. I have to write a step-by-step actual play of the game to put in as an example of play. Okay. Otherwise, okay. the game text is written. It is written. It is finalized. I have given it to people who have read over the entire book and given their feedback. So I am prepared to take what I have and put the, and just put it in one document, attach a table of context and an index and call it a day. All right. So, and, and, and on Kickstarter, let's talk about the actual about Kickstarter, Kickstarter now, but uh, to, so, to answer the rest of your question right now is all promotional tour stuff. Like laying out okay. the game text is, is, is happening currently deep in a promotional tour. And then managing and running the Kickstarter. Yeah, and 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 I know, and I, that is it. Any because you're going through Third Act Publishing. Third Act Publishing. Correct? Jim McClure, who is my yeah. blood, my blood rival and my bitterest enemy. So it only made sense <laughs> that we would partner together on the Kickstarter. Uh, is it any? Does it? 
feel any easier? I mean, oh, I guess you don't have anything sure. to compare it to. So much. But... E- well, so much. I, I would not have done this project without a publisher at my back. I do not know yeah, enough I... about Kickstarter to even like I and it was something that I kind of set out to do. Like I had said, mm-hmm. all right, as soon as I knew that this game was going to be big enough that like I needed a Kickstarter for it. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm getting a publisher. Like, I'm not just. OK. And I know people who have just gone out and said, like, I'm going to make this. You know, uh, like people who are like, all right, I am making this game. Guess I'm going to learn how to run a Kickstarter and do it myself. I said, no way. Because Mm -hmm. part of it was because and part of it is because I wanted to watch someone who really, really knows Kickstarter. And Jim McClure Mm -hmm. knows Kickstarter to be like, "Okay, that's why you're doing it this way. So that Mm -hmm. next time if I do decide, hey, this is a project I don't really need like help on or like Mm -hmm. I don't really need like a a a studio to or a publisher to run this i could put this together and then rely on somebody just for kickstarter fulfillment i wanted i wanted to watch somebody who's really really good at it to go okay now i know what i'm doing so that if if there's a next time i can i can kind of wing it a little more yeah yeah and i i I think that's smart i mean i and i my i have uh been like uh, just kind of like the sidekick on kickstarters before like uh mike who's my my frequent live Mm co-host for this show he's run a whole bunch of kickstarters for for books and and for his uh card game quantum quest uh and and uh it, it is uh, I'm, I get stressed out about it and all I'm doing is really directing his, his Kickstarter videos and, and helping him with, uh, with that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, I can only imagine like actually running one. And then I have several, like, uh, in my, in my Excel sheets, like, all right, here was a Kickstarter I was going to run two years ago to help do something that I wanted to do. And I'm just too, like, I, it's so, it feels like so much work to do it. And I, and I think it's not just running the Kickstarter, but like, all the other stuff that comes with it, like after you're done and, and obviously with a, a game, there's, you know, yet the print, like the book mm-hmm. that has to be printed. Are you, well, that's a question. Is it going to be both digital and print yes. or just digital? There's going to be a PDF, uh, PDF and uh soft, it's going to be a soft cover. It's PDF and soft cover okay. stretch or reward levels on the Kickstarter. And thankfully, which was the other thing was like, I don't know enough about publishing to even consider like, making these things and so yeah. the nice thing is now i have a publisher who can like who has contacts in publishing that can like make this book look nice and i'm like yes. so excited about it like i'm really just pumped because like and like i was also pumped because though he is my blood rival jim mcclure is a tremendously talented <laughs> you know has a has a genius mind for for games and that he believes in mission accomplished is awe and like it's the best feeling in the world. And he would not, yeah, I, he would not, I would not be working with third act if Jim McClure did not believe in mission accomplished. And so that's like that, that itself is a huge part of why like we're doing this or why I'm, I, why like the Kickstarter is even happening is because I'm like, well, if, if, Hey, if the guy from third act, if the guy that made reflections, thinks that this game like has has like a grounding then i think i'm in pretty good shape yeah it's uh yeah i i and i i don't know jim mcclure like you you know jim uh you know we're not we're not 
uh, we're not even friends, let alone blood rivals, you know? So, oh, we are not friends. Uh, I, I would like that noted <laughs> on microphone that we are not friends. <laughs> Uh, but I, you know, I obviously know him from, you know, he's, you know, uh, been on your show, uh, from the one shot network. Uh, you know, I, I've heard him, you know, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that if you are even a fan of stuff in, in tabletop role-playing games, whether it be act, you know, you actually sitting down and playing yourself or being like a, a listener of the actual plays, like, you know him, you know him, you at least know his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, um, so it is, I know, you know, I, you told me this a while ago, but I, you know, when you told me first told me you were working with Jim, I, I was so, you know, happy for you. Cause I think that's, uh, that's a get, that's a mm-hmm. big get for, for, uh, someone, especially like your first game, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot of pressure. Off oh, of for you. sure. A hundred percent. Uh, so the Kickstarter, yes. uh, what, what do you know, do you know, like, is that, finalized even though it's not live yet we got a few details we're looking at it's sounding like uh, card subject to change is what i always say with these things but (laughs) it's looking like four thousand is the number to get that should get us a soft cover with black and white art on the interior with then a stretch goal uh with a few a few thousand dollars for a stretch goal extra which i think is going to be six thousand that'll get us interior art in color uh a pdf of the book is going to be twelve dollars $20 $20 for a soft cover, 35 for two soft covers, which is great because you want a, a, a copy for your field agents and a copy for mission control. And then some additional stretch, some additional backer levels that I kind of want to keep a little secret because I'm kind of really excited about them. And then we have some stretch goals that uh, nothing's formalized yet. We don't have anything like locked in, but like stuff is really like the stretch goals. I'm very excited about if we can, if we can get the the people that like I I the names I threw out, if if we can get them into like in the project, I'm gonna be beyond stoked. Well, and so so, so base game, you know, you hit four thousand uh, is going to be the, the core rule book with what the the six dossiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's looking like I'm like whatever, however many dossiers I end up putting in the book is however many we're gonna have. Uh, so I'm aiming for like at least five. Five okay. to six is okay. probably the number that I'm going to put in because that's like a good solid variety, but it's not overwhelming. Now, is that is that purely uh, like, you know, kind of just like a, a number you came up with or is it also like a page count? Thing? Just the number I came up with. It just okay. feels like the right number for the game. Uh, and, and eventually and obviously stretch goals are going to include, you know, you already mentioned maybe artwork, but it's going to include, I you know, I assume authors that are going to provide more dossiers. Uh, I, I, I will, tease it, I will tease it and say that we have been in talks with some people about doing some dossiers that I'm pretty, I think sound pretty incredible. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so, so potentially, you know, this could be, uh, have a lot of content in it mm-hmm. for, you know, $20. Yeah. You said for, for yeah. soft cover. And, and I, I don't know how you feel. Uh, I am a, I always try to get like to, when I back projects on uh, Kickstarter, I, I, I've turned to the guy who only backs like tabletop role-playing games mm-hmm. now, because it's, even though I don't play them often, I, I, I like to have the, and I need the physical stuff. Cause I like to, I like to hold a book. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm part of that old generation where I still, 
I, I read most of my comics digitally just because that's that's how I get them to review them. Uh, but when there's a really good book out, I, I go to the comic book store and, and like Heroes in Crisis, number one, I went out to the store and I, I bought uh, the actual physical book for that because that's it, it seems like a story that, that's going to be special and I, I want to have the printed copy of that. And that's how I feel about like almost like if I'm backing something, if I'm going to put money into a Kickstarter, a, I want it to succeed. So I might as well back it a little bit more uh, by, by, you know, paying for the, the soft cover versus just the digital copy. Um, and yeah, I just rather hold a book. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. I, I'm going to, so this is going to be out on release day. So I'm just going to go ahead and say this because it's going to okay. be out on release day. So I can just say this, uh, the highest backer level, I'm not sure. I believe it's going to be 250, 250 for the highest backer level is I will partner with you. I will partner with uh, any backer at that level. I think we're limiting it to like three. I think we're limiting it to three people, but mm-hmm. uh, I will partner with them and make the dossier that they want to see in the game. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's like the cool. I'm That's the thing I'm really excited about. Cause like, People are because like I want to know the weird dossiers that people want to see in this game. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's I think uh, as fun as it is. I imagine you know uh, creating a game uh, or anything. I, I mean, I obviously know what it's like to be a creator, so I know it's fun to create something. But uh, when I like I see Mike do it when he creates his Kickstarter, and I kind of see it just like when I see the fun rewards uh, and backer tiers that a lot of these, especially role playing games, have. Uh, that's got to be like just another level of fun mm-hmm. for for doing this project let alone you know whether whether uh you know it's it's your actual content or not like this extra stuff that you do with the with the backers or with the stretch goals and you work with other creators uh yeah i'm super excited to see everything that that uh, you know that is out today or or yesterday it's gonna, I'm, so, uh, I'm so pumped i'm be i'm so beyond I, excited and I have to tell you, because I went on a bit of a tear with Kickstarter this year. I backed several things and I got to a point where it's like, I, I, I have no money to spend on every, any, every month because every month I'm backing something on Kickstarter. So I told myself, I was like, all right, there's, I got to save my, my money for two more Kickstarters this year. I don't, I know one of them's going to be Jeff's. Uh, cause I knew I, I, at that point I knew you were running a Kickstarter. I don't know if it was just because you told me or if you mentioned something online about it, but uh, I was like, all right, so that is done. Like I know that's October's done. Cause that's what I'm, and so I am super excited to finally back it because uh, it's, I've been, I've been, this money's been burning a hole in my pocket it's, waiting. To, I can't, to I can't wait to take your money. I really can't. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and, and I, I hope to, I would love to try to set up another, uh, like another actual play event with, uh, with you and, and mission accomplished. Cause that is such a fun live experience. I it think. plays so well uh, live. It's such a it's such yeah. a stage game. Is the thing. It's such a. It's here's the thing. It's out of my wheelhouse because it's not a two player game. It's not. It's it's not tied to the thing that it that like people know me for. But at the same time, I would argue that it's also like incredibly in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. because it is. It's. It's a rate like it makes a rate. It makes like a radio play. It makes like a yes. it makes like an improv. It is like an improv thing. And it is so performative as a game that I think it's also like as somebody that does actual play, which is also a kind of improv theater. Like yes. 
it's also like so in my wheelhouse to just have this game ex- like I, that I, I i it do, it so that yeah it does play just so pu- perfectly live it's such a live show game it's it, it, yeah i i, I people have i mean obviously people are going to have a lot of opportunities to to i assume you know if you listen to if, if you already listened to episode 100 of everything is awesome or you plan on listening to it after this uh you're gonna you're gonna get a version of the game that doesn't really exist anymore because you, you've made changes since then uh so so uh i assume the newer actual plays that are going to be out there in the world with all these other shows on your promotional tour that's more representative to what I, you're I'd, say out most there. Of, I'd say like n- 80% of the game that we played is the same. Yes. It's just that beginning piece. The beginning piece that is, is a little different, but like a lot of the, the core game is, is the same and you'll, you can okay. hear how it's just a long form improv show that you just, yeah. everyone is just laughing with. Yes. Uh, yeah. I cannot wait. A, I can't wait to hear uh, all the other um, uh, actual plays of your game. Let's that, see. that come out. We, the, I know we've got, weeks. Uh, at the time this drops, Fandible will be out. Um, we did Roll to Play. We're doing well, we're doing Roll to Play in, in like a week or so. We did the Redacted Files, Refugees of Esmeralda, and I know we're doing one shot at some point, or at least I hope. At least I think we are. Talks are in place. I don't. Nothing's formalized yet. That's exciting. That's because that's that's gonna, that's, be, that's gonna that's, be fun. Oh, I, and and slightly related because you brought up one shot. Uh, I, I wanted to. I, I was thinking about this earlier today as well. Uh, how I think it's like by the time when this episode of Everything Is Awesome drops, when people are sitting here listening to you and us talk about you and I talk about Mission Accomplished, uh, almost three years ago, maybe a little less than three years ago, uh, you know, you and I sat down and talked for the first time. And uh, you introduced me to uh, the One Shot Podcast Network, but very specifically the campaign podcast mm-hmm. uh, that that I fell in love with instantly. That that helped me through one of the toughest times of my life when I was losing my uncle um, because because of the Star Wars connection that I had with him. And uh, as people are listening to this, like that that story is done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's for you and I, you know, we still have, uh, one more week of, of, of some star Wars campaign podcasts, but I think it's, it's, it's so weird to me that like that campaign has literally for me started and ended with you now, uh, at least the star Wars. I like that. I like that a lot. It's, and, and I can't like, you know, you, you play a role in, in me discovering, uh, that show that, that again, like it, li- and I, I would, I'm so thankful I had the opportunity to sit down with James and, and, and tell him to, you know, mm-hmm. over a microphone, how much that show meant to me. But like, you'd certainly play a role in like, in a time of my life when like, I, like everything sucked. Cause either my uncle was in the process of dying or I would, he had just recently mm-hmm. passed like that depressing time in my life. I was able to like laugh through, through, at least an hour a week or however often that, you know, I listen to it on a daily basis. Cause I was, I was catching up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I started listening to it, you know, in 2016. Uh, and I was, you know, I think 50 episodes behind or something like that. So um, it is, it's so, I was thinking about it today because knowing that we were that's doing this wild. Today. That's, that's a, that's yeah. what a wild like coincidence that is. That makes me really happy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up because again, like that was a that, that has been an important show, and it all it, because of you. It, you know, mm-hmm. is, is how I know about it. Um, so, so a bunch of different shows people can listen to. Uh, I will uh, hopefully have the links to them uh, in time. Uh, I'll, I'll, I can, I can scrounge them up, but I will, uh, have as many links as I have at the time of that. I'm releasing this episode in the show notes to where you can go and, uh, listen to the actual plays that, mm-hmm. Je- that Jeff has done of mission accomplished. Uh, and, uh, I, you know what I'm, and I'm not going to, what I'm really proud that throughout this entire interview, I have not slipped in calling it mission impossible. That's good. <laughs> uh, because that's a that's legally definitely... distinct property that is copyrighted, and I am not interested in paying that. Yeah. Was there any concern with that? I, I, I guess not, because it is legally distinct. Legally distinct. It's a, it's, and it's satire. It's very obviously satire. Oh, yes, so. yes, yes. And to me, it almost play. I don't. I mean, I guess you could play as, as Mission Impossible, uh, as far as like. The, but but to me, I, every time that I think of Mission Accomplished, I'm more so thinking of James Bond. It's than very I'm James of Bond. It's else. it's well, it's it's Archer. Like it's real specifically like Archer, inspired. Mm. Like, but yeah, it's riff. It's riffing on. It's riffing a lot on James on like James Bond style stuff, like with villains and with like the mm. sort of like the. All both of the uh, the dossiers I've written so far are are James Bond plots. It's it's so far I've written a moon laser, and I wrote uh, a a poker tournament, so Casino Royale. Like they're both so far I've done all James Bond stuff. I should probably I but I do I am definitely going to include the mission the mission. I almost just said mission accomplished. The Mission Impossible. Uh, one of our agents has turned rogue and is like trying to smuggle out a bunch of information because that's like a, that's mission impossible. And that's a very classic. It's also golden eye though. So it's very, yeah. it's also very James Bond. Yeah. Well, and golden eye is, is one of my favorites. It was my first James Bond. It's, I think it's a, it's a lot of people's first James Bond because yeah. the generation of us that grew up with the N64, that was our introduction yes. to the concept of yes. James Bond. And I want to say I actually saw the movie before I played the game. I definitely but... played the game first. I can I know that. I got well, I watched I, the movie because I had played the game. I am I think I am maybe a year or two older. Like I'm a couple years older than you, so I'm 34. So I, I think I, I think the movie came out like I I was just old enough okay. to to see it in theater. Like or, or maybe I just have bad parents. I don't know. <laughs> it could be two things. <laughs> uh, all right, all Jeff. right, my friend. So let uh let people know where they can find you your stuff and most importantly mission accomplished uh, you can go on kickstarter and search for mission accomplished it's going to be the easiest way to find it uh you can find me on twitter at party of one pod you can find all the work that i do at jeffstormer.com uh you can find party of one at party of one podcast.com all my fantasy children all my fantasy children.com and i think that's just about everything but really the most important thing is absolutely uh go to kickstarter Go look up Mission Accomplished, the role-playing game of Super Spies and Office Meetings. Uh, back it, help make it a reality, help back get us some some pretty cool stretch goals, which uh, I can't talk about at the time of this recording because they're not locked in yet. But trust me, they are going to be spectacular. You're not going to want to miss them. I I am super excited. All those links are going to be in the show notes, including uh, any as many of the actual plays that I can find at the time of posting this. Uh, it is very important for everyone listening to this to go and back the Kickstarter right now today. The the first day, the first week is super important. First week, Kickstarter first weeks make or break. 
Yes. So it is so important that you go and, and back mission accomplished right now. Uh, and I, I promise you uh, that whether you get the digital version or the, the print and copy, it's going to be well worth uh, the, the investment you put in for it. Listen to all these actual plays of us playing mission accomplished and hear the laughter and joy we have doing it. Uh, Jeff, thank you for being on the show yet again. Thank you, my friend. This is a blast as always. Thank you to Jeff for coming on the show. I enjoy having Jeff on this show all this every time I get to sit down and chat with him it's always a pleasure he's been on as we discussed pretty much every version of a podcast that I do even the new one about his podcast uh, the only thing we need to get him on is a panel at one of our comic cons and hopefully we'll make that happen in 2019 but I am so so excited that his game is funded I've played the game twice now as you heard at a uh, at pax unplug about this time last year and uh, on and on episode 100 of everything is awesome which is again in the show notes i can't wait to get my hands on the physical book uh the it's going to be awesome that's all i can say and, and it looks like we're closing in on that uh stretch goal for the extra dossier which means we're closing in on the full color artwork in the middle so if you are a fan of tabletop role-playing games, please, please check out the Kickstarter. Pass it along. Share it. Retweet it. Like it on Facebook. Share it on Facebook. Wherever you go on social media, share his Kickstarter. Because if you're a fan of tabletop role-playing games, or maybe your friends are, they're going to love this game. It is a great, fun uh, game. You, you, you can't not have fun with this game. Speaking of his other podcasts, like I said, check out the newest That's Entertainment Podcast Network show, After Party of One, an after show that airs monthly and recaps Jeff's show, The Party of One Podcast. Check it out on thatentertains.com slash network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your shows. The first episode is now available and features Jeff Stormer as our first guest, and we take a deep dive into the September episodes of Party of One. It was such a great conversation. Uh, and totally different than what you just heard now. And we get some insight into how Jeff goes and puts these uh, Party of One episodes together from being the GM, from being a player, from the no setup to the setup ones. Uh, what a fascinating conversation that was. What a fascinating conversation this was. And I am so, so happy for Jeff and his Kickstarter. Uh, like I said, check that out. And all the links to uh, Jeff's Kickstarter and information on where you can find him and his other podcasts will also be in the show notes. Uh, go to thatentertains.com slash network to check out all the other shows on our network, like After Party of One. We like to end Everything is Awesome with a call to action. Super friends, there are a lot of terrible things happening right now. It can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like us to make a difference. One of the easiest and most effective ways to action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. Super friends, super agents, whatever you guys are this week, I want to let you know that this week again and up until after the election, we're going to be pushing this hardcore. If you are in a state that hasn't had deadlines for voter registration, make sure you are registered to vote. If you're not registered to vote, and then on November 6th, go out and vote. When I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you'll find issue summaries for issues that are important to you, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. Calling is quick, 
easy, and is one of the most effective ways to have your voice heard. Thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon.com slash That Entertains. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word-of-mouth recommendations and five-star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on Facebook.com and Twitter at RealAwesomePod or at AwesomePodcast on Instagram. And we're available on AwesomePodcast.com and ThatEntertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, and also on my personal Twitter at ThatNerdyKev. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at awesome at CrudeHumorStudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video and live performances you can find more info at crewnumberstudios.com thanks for listening super friends we've been awesome that's entertainment podcast network entertainment and culture artist owned fan supported